Heads up, friends. The unofficial Shopify podcast is made by indie entrepreneurs for indie entrepreneurs and may contain material not suitable for all audiences, like swearing or economics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, you ever heard the story of the diligent store owner who spent weeks perfecting their Shopify store only to see their hard work disappear after a simple mistake wiped out critical data? Their sales took a hit, their customers were confused, and they had to scramble to redo their work. Oh, what do we think of that, children? Now imagine they had out of the sandbox's Theme Updater Plus app with its new Vault Backups feature. In that scenario, the data loss disaster is averted, the store downtime eliminated, because they could just go back in time with Vault and get back to selling. That could be your story, my friend. Each day without Theme Updater Plus, your store remains at risk. It's a ticking time bomb. But with Theme Updater and its Vault feature, your story becomes one of seamless transitions and preserved efforts. Created by Out of the Sandbox, a theme developer trusted by over 80,000 e-commerce stores, Theme Updater Plus Vault Backups is the plot twist your Shopify store needs. Don't let your store become a tale of loss and disruption. Make it a success story with Theme Updater Plus with Vault Backups from Out of the Sandbox. Search for Theme Updater Plus in the Shopify App Store or go to outofthesandbox.com to learn more. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast, your source for all things Ecom Recon. I'm Kurt Elster, a.k.a. Jack Nasty. Coming to you from EtherCycle HQ in Skokie, Illinois. And today we're welcoming back a guest who is no stranger to the show, the mastermind behind Braxley Bands, the man who turned Apple Watch Bands from a class project into a successful full-time venture, Braxton Manley. And back in 2022, January 2022, we had him on the show and we had a great chat about his journey and we all left feeling inspired. But in 2022, we did, that was like shooting fish in a barrel for e-commerce. And so since then, Braxton has been battling business dragons, dodging the pitfalls of bankruptcy, and navigating toward profitable shores. Not only that, he's been redesigning his business, and he took the wheel from agencies, crafting new customer acquisition strategies, doing everything in-house now where possible, and he's got some new business ventures going. To me, that sounds like a thrilling entrepreneurial saga. I want to hear it. I want to know about it. Let's dive back into the world of Braxley Bands and more. Welcome back to the show, Braxton. How are you doing? All right. I'm so happy to be here, Kurt. And uh, exciting update. We've actually dropped the word bands from Braxley Bands. We have other stuff now. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about. And thanks for having me on again. Would love to just provide value to everybody out there who's who's navigating the same uh, challenges and, and battling those dragons and having fun along the way and hopefully finding that goldmine. So you've got, well, I, I want to start with um, business updates. I, how have things at Braxley Bands since our last chat in January 2022, how have things changed? That's 18 months ago. This spring, we launched our first non-Apple Watch band product. It's something I've been working on really from the beginning of Braxley seven years ago, but we actually put it into production last year and, and released them this year. And so that product is a two-in-one. It's a belt bag. So it's a belt that can be used on its own, a bag that can be used on its own. And together they make the world's most stylish and functional fanny pack bag. 
And so the idea here, like you had the experience with the, the watch bands and you know, the custom connectors it needs. And so you're like, all right, we've moved toward belt strap or yeah, the, the belt and the attachment for it. You build a bag, which is, that seems to be, it's always tougher than it sounds and a lot of fun. Like I've known and talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who build bags. I own so many bags as a result uh, and I, I love them. But it sounds like uh, it's interchangeable. Like you do, it's like the bag and then uh, similar to the watch straps, all kinds of belts that you could swap in. That's right. It's like, it's truly a unique product in that way. And it's something that I was just passionate about for a few years, like designing something quirky and actually like sort of had this philosophy of like function first, then style second, and lastly, make it inspire somebody. Like it's three-dimensional design. And I think we tried to do that with the watch bands in a lot of ways. Like the third inspirational thing on the, on the watch bands, for instance, we laser engrave live flexibly onto the adapters. And actually we are dropping a new tagline uh, this year, which is going to be just feeling good because our, our products are designed for comfort first. And so they all make the wearer feel good. And I think it's a really cool external sort of outward facing expression as well as like, I'm feeling good. Like, and so we're putting that on our new hats that we're dropping, uh, as well as, uh, hopefully every product we sell, like just with, just with kind of that inspirational feel good message. Obviously the, the watch trap is discontinued. You've updated that product line. Now we're, we're laser engraving and you've got, um, a bag line, customizable bag line that's, that's out now. Um, you got hats coming out. We're really, and you drop bands. So we've got this full, bigger apparel fashion accessory brand going. If you're already making watch straps and really like an Apple watch strap is the same as any other, but for it uses a proprietary connector to the watch. Have you ever thought about going into other watch straps? You could use your, the existing thing with different hardware on the end gives you a universal watch strap yeah. for stuff that's not proprietary and like 99.9% .9 of watches fit that. And you could do, or you do, you know, other connectors for proprietary watches, which tend to like a few oddballs, like you know, a Citizen Ecozilla, but everything else, you know, a lot of smart watches have some proprietary stuff. Totally. And I've even gone as far as to consider making watches, like being a, like a, a Swatch competitor in a way, or a new version of a, of how, I love how Swatch did things because they sell a, a collectible watch where you can you know, get in at a relatively accessible price point. And they're just bonkers with styles. They have really out there stuff and they do collaborations. And um, anyway, it seems like an obvious path to go with like, why don't we just make a watch for all these other compatibilities? And I'm realizing that more lately that like, it really is a good idea. I think I was in a way stubborn because I was like, I was like, let's just hyper-focus on one thing. And I think that was actually the right move was to just be like, we only make Apple Watch bands and there's such a large total addressable market with that that it just felt like fun to stick with one thing. And then I started kind of uh, loving the elastic component of the bands and I was like, let's just expand on elastic products. So to answer your question, Yes, I do actually want to put out watch bands for 
other watches and we can totally do that. We're, I think we're going to start the initial stages of that production now and hopefully we'll have something available because it seems like it would be pretty easy to do. Hopefully we'll have something available by the end of 2023. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, we got hats coming and that's kind of where most of my energy is going right now. The, you know, I'm not a hat guy, but I own three times as many watch straps as I own watches. And so that like immediately tickles my fancy. Nice. Um, were there any, any other significant milestones Brackley's achieved in recent months? Yeah, well, we achieved some really cool internal accomplishments. One of those being profitability. Oh, the P word. Yeah. And, and so what that, what that required us to do was like just radically redesign the way the company and our lifestyles are. And, and, um, the company is, is very small. It's me and my brother, Zach. Um, we are the two running Braxley as executives and everything else that happens with the company is either done through, uh, a kind of, a, I consider it a semi in-house team. We're working with, uh, with some friends that do say for instance content creation and uh we're working with a awesome woman and her uh her partner eric and chamomile who run a magic agency and they're like we're like their first clients and anyway i wanted to give them a shout out because I, I really love working with them since it's like a semi-in-house team like we're, we don't have to actually uh go through the challenges of paying someone in-house oh it's that essentially you know they're a micro agency what makes it a semi-in-house team is it the fact that it it's a partnership it's two people yeah and it's 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 just them and and we're we're like essentially i i feel like we almost have them full time uh because the and it, the total i guess uh you know the the position is essentially email sms marketing social media and so it's like having a a fractional cmo maybe yeah i think that's a good word for it and so I think everybody can kind of find somebody like that out there. Us as a strategy, we, we chose to do that over a large agency. Um, and so far, I really prefer it. You know, yeah, the personalized attention you get, you know, that, that experience together. I'm sure there's pros and cons to it. But like when you find what works for you, that works the way you do, you grab on and hold. Yep. Any major hurdles or challenges since we last talked? Yeah, well, the, one of the big challenges was running ads profitably and, and actually just figuring out new customers. Yeah, the hardest thing has truly been figuring out how to have someone to essentially manage traffic to the website and how to get new customers. So we, we hired a consultant. His name's Chris Hernandez. Uh, he's on Twitter and stuff. He's from an agency background, but actually consults people on how to build their operations in-house. Um, so he's basically teaching us how, you know, say teach, teach a man how to fish and you can eat for a lifetime. And it's like essentially that with uh, Facebook ads. Specifically, we're starting with meta ads. We're scaling up to, you know, hopefully we'll be doing six figures in ad spend monthly by uh, the holidays. And we're really like ramping things back up to hopefully new highs where, you know, we're a brand who like our biggest year was 2021 and most profitable is probably 2020. And then 2022, we actually like, we were not profitable. And so we had to really get serious and figure out how to stop well, essentially stop losing money and, and to how to gain customers so you were able to you were always able to acquire customers 
but over time it got less profitable and increasing PPC costs was the the culprit. What was the what was the issue that needed to be solved? I think it was, you know, retention. It was our, our whole website experience and and making the website less of a kind of wild art project and making it more Oh, I love that site though. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. It's a lot. It can be both, though. So I, I, we haven't. It hasn't lost any character, but we've just done a lot to improve the customer journey on the website, and it's been really fun actually talking to you about the website. I mean, from our last conversation, uh, when you, when I did the your office hours, which I don't know if that's a a secret, but everybody should sign up for Kurt's office hours because it it really did change my entire perspective on our website experience. We've been making all those changes that you mentioned. And it's been fantastic so far. I mean, we've, you know, we've, we've actually been able to now run Facebook ads profitably. We're getting customers and we're having first order profitability. And we've been using landing pages for the first time. We're running a bundle and we are optimizing for average order value and checkout, making the whole experience more fun. And, and hopefully, you know, getting people so charmed, I think this is the key too. What we've always done is like we try to charm people so much that they are word of mouth marketers. It's all about making the experience something that's like so memorable and so charming that they talk about it. And I think that's where that really um, in your face design aesthetic that the site's always had helps where it makes it very memorable. It has so much personality. You get a sense of the people behind it. And it, it, that lends itself to word of mouth because you can stay top of mind longer with people. You mentioned landing pages. And like any pro Facebook marker, marketer will be like, all right, number one mistake I see is people sending to anything that isn't a landing page, that you want to send your traffic to a landing page. What is, what's the trick there? Why do you think that helped you so much, the landing pages? Well, because we can run high AOV bundles really nicely on landing pages. And so, especially for, you know, top of funnel traffic or middle of funnel traffic, like when we're just kind of introducing them to the brand and also one of the biggest challenges within this new Facebook uh, is that, you know, the customer acquisition costs have go gone so up that a, a lower uh, AOV brand, which we were, I mean, we were averaging like the $40 AOV, sometimes lower. It's just too low of an AOV for, I think, meta ads to actually work for people. And so we got that number way up through running bundles. And that's what the landing page really allows us to do is run that bundle to a very specific audience. But then our, our website doesn't have to be centered around a three or four band bundle. It can be, hey, this is everything. This, this is who we are. We have belt bags too. Ready to double your revenue from Clavio Abandoned Flows without lifting a finger? Of course you are. And it's not magic. It's all about conversion tracking done right it's a secret weapon for growth that many are yet to discover. Picture this. A user visits your site, signs up for a discount, adds items to the cart, and then they leave without buying. You're banking on your abandoned cart email bringing them back, right? But what if they're on iOS or Safari and their Klaviyo cookie expired? Your email may never reach them. And that's a missed opportunity. But that's where Elevar comes in. Elevar ensures these user sessions are stitched together so Klaviyo flows operate just as you'd expect. All thanks to Elevar's session enrichment and server-side tracking. The result? A 200% increase in emails sent to customers who would have otherwise slipped through the cracks and an almost 100% increase in revenue. 
Don't let your potential customers become ghosts. With Elevar, start seeing these improvements from week one. It's time to take your conversion tracking to the next level. Start your free trial at getelevar.com today. Their plans start at $0 a month, and all plans include a 15-day free trial. Go to getelevar.com to get started. E-L-E-V-A-R, Elevar. What do you think, just ballpark it, what's the that threshold for AOV where you need to be and obviously it's like different for every business, but just like a general, you anything below this AOV, you're going to struggle to be profitable with Facebook ads. I would say it's got to be 50 bucks. Like, okay. But we're trying to run bundles that are in the, around the hundred dollar mark because it, it seems to be the sweet spot for, for DTC product market fit, so to speak. And do you do free shipping? We offer free shipping over $50, so it's really easy to hit free shipping, but it's just a little incentive to get people to buy more than one band because our bands are $39. So it makes it, yeah, I buy one, I'm not, but then I'm paying for shipping. Oh, I yeah. may as, it becomes may as well pricing. Yeah. I may as well get two to get the free shipping. And even our, our shipping, when we made people pay for it, we like, we barely, we, we made it like $4. Like we subsidized it because it's just like, it's just not cool to be a brand that charges a lot for shipping. I don't like it as a customer. I, no one wants to pay for shipping because it just, you know, it doesn't feel like you're getting anything for that money, right? Like I give you money, you give me a good. Well, shipping's a service that is just the unfortunate reality of e-commerce. I, I want to minimize my experience with it as a customer. Right. But it can also be used as a lever to get people to spend more. Absolutely. It's like, hey, you can avoid that pain by getting... Two watch bands. Yeah. So you're you know, beyond. You've branched out beyond just uh, Braxley. You've got other brands you're building now. Yeah. So my wonderful, wonderful go- girlfriend who's in the other room working on her business right now. Um, it's called Peace Love Hormones, and it is a herbal supplement brand that she's formulated herself, and it uh, is has amazing benefits. Like the uh, there's one called Soothe that she launched with this year that is for women's menstrual health. And it's like, it's uh, it's really fun to be a part of it because it's so different from Braxley where we're just like a, a kind of out there fashion brand. And uh, working on Peace of Hormones has been fun because it's very much more like mission driven. Yeah, I've had a lot a lot of fun built, basically being the back end uh, business side of, of Peace of Hormones. And so that's been another one of my jobs. Supplements, like, there's just inherent additional difficulties with it as far as, like, regulations around it, manufacturing it, marketing it, how you could describe it, um, has, and just the uh, the supplement space. There's m- more people that fight dirty, I feel. Are there, have you had any experiences with that? Have you been like, wow, these supplement people are crazy? Yeah, a little bit. But, yeah, and, and what's cool is we're able to, with this, with this one, do, a, like, a creator-led brand approach. So Maddie's content creator uh, at the Maddie Miles and, and she's just putting out content every day and and basically has built a a massive audience that you know she can bring traffic to her website on a, on a pretty regular basis all organically like we've spent zero dollars on ads and you mentioned spending zero dollars on ads organic building you talked about Facebook ads to acquire customers profitably was a, a big hurdle to get over and a lot of this seemed to revolve around you hired a consultant and tr- uh, tried to transition away from traditional ag- agencies. So I want to, I want to dig deep on that a little bit. Why, why did you decide to go this route? 
I think because it's more connected. Like there's there's a just a a real disconnection between working with like remote agencies. I think for Braxley, I mean, we have a very distinct personality that we're we're kind of we have, we use a lot of humor and like the, the aesthetics visually are very eccentric. They're not. That, I mean, they're not that wild. <laughs> it's like you're we're talking about it. Like you know, you've got the Frankenstein's monster of a of a Shopify theme, and you really don't. You know. It, it's coherent. It's beautiful. It's on trend, um, but it's different. It's it's definitely it's different, and you know the vibe is like Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper. We've toned it down, and some of our emails like that's where we put a lot of attention to detail too is is in the emails. And so I felt like I was giving up so many parts of the brand. Like we really bootstrapped this thing as college students. Where I mean, the first three years we were running everything, and uh, I was sending every email. I was creating every email, every Instagram post, every I started giving all those pieces away and I felt like the the kind of the soul of the business had left me. Is, is it dreaded burnout? It kind of felt that way. Bringing stuff in-house and, and trying to do things from a more cohesive team strategy. The business can be a lot more fulfilling because you're more connected to your, to your team. So you want, like you don't necessarily want to have to do the stuff yourself. You want it off your plate, but you don't want it to be so far removed from it that it is like this independent separate action occurring just totally outside your purview. Nailed it. And so instead the solution is like get smaller, more integrated teams. Yeah. And you guys like all work together in a Slack, use a Discord, a lot of Zoom calls. How's it work? Yeah, we definitely use Slack. I mean, I'm that's basically open on my second monitor all day, like just trying to be really communicative as well as like Instagram. I try to just have open communication channels on all the platforms that we're, we should be dedicating energy to. So like even TikTok. And um, I try to get in-person FaceTime with everybody I can. I mean, my, my brother just moved back to Austin where, where I live. And, and so we're gonna be able to start collaborating a lot more in person together, which has already been uh, just way more fun and way more impactful because we're, we're, we're just, actually in person and I don't think you can beat that so and at the same time I am fully remote like I am I we've always built the company to be remote and since we're so small I think it makes sense to stay that way for now I I, I love being remote so there's just a sweet spot in the middle I think and you know as you shifted to this this in-house strategy any key lessons there yes I think the biggest one is communication is key and not just being, everybody knows, oh yeah, and should be a good communicator, but actually learning communication techniques, even communicating over notion, like, like we, we have like sort of notion etiquette now where we used to just leave that thing like super messy. We just had a, one of those boards, you know, that basically like a Trello, but we were using it on notion. I would just let that thing get so messy. And then it's like, okay, we got to like start like, like cleaning everything up. Like it, it felt like just really like organizing. We're still making sort of compound habits on that, like just staying more organized in-house. And through that, like the the vision and the, the kind of soul can get passed along more easily to another person because like it can't, we can't as founders, like just do it all ourselves. We actually do have to delegate things. I've learned this lesson myself. And part of it that really helped solidify it was using ChatGPT to help me write stuff where it's like I can now brain dump my thoughts and say, hey, I need this organized into an outline. You know, ask me questions to get this more refined. This is our goal. What am I missing? 
And being able to have that as a writing partner, you know, that doesn't make mistakes has been instrumental in being able to delegate without having things lost in communication, right? Because you're like, you're able to produce, this is a very consistent, professional, um, you know, description of all these tasks, goals, projects that we're trying to do. And having that has become a, a superpower for productivity, uh, but also really be able to increase our output. More importantly, the quality of that output by getting that consistency. As you've moved toward that, where it's like, all right, you're getting better at systems and processes through a smaller team and actively prioritizing the importance of communication and good communication between people. What impact did that have on the profitability of your business and your sanity? <laughs> yeah, the sanity was, was key because once you start being a more efficient operator, it frees up some ability to do other ventures. So the impact that that had beyond just, you know, actually beginning to start spending on ads profitably again, after we hit the hard reset button and had two months where we spent $0 only generating revenue off of email and word of mouth and a little bit of a text list, you know? And so when you, you'd quit spending on Facebook ads entirely for 60 days, did this have anything to do with a looming bankruptcy? I know you, you did not declare bankruptcy, but it sounds like you know, the subtext here is this was a genuine fear. Yeah, because things were just trending in the wrong direction. And it was like, oh, we have to, we have to do something and, uh, you know, we can't pay ourselves right now. And, and basically dealing with like the hard kind of wartime CEO stuff. And we, we hit the hard reset button on ads because it was like, let's see how, how, let's see how lean we can get. Like, what does this business actually cost to run? as long as we kind of hit that number, and this is actually, shout out Eric Banholtz of Beard Brand. This was something I, I met with him over coffee and he told me this that, uh, you know, really, really changed my perspective. And that was to um, be, it calls it like a water bug meta metaphor. There's a, a water bug or something like that that can live a hundred years without water. Yeah, it's like this tiny little critter. It's like microscopic level that could survive basically anything. And it's called a water bug. And they're like, when you see them, you know, zoomed up you know, 10,000 times, they are terrifying. Yeah, exactly. And so sometimes people have to do that with their business and just be like, all right, let's, let's basically cut, let's, let's try and cut every unnecessary expense we possibly can and like, see what this business really runs on and where we're at and build back up in a very more, much more controlled way. And in a way where I think we are just far better operators now than we've ever been because we had to go through that training process again. For sure, when you have when when you start a business in a boom time, it makes you complacent on spending and things that you just weren't aware of. And then when the reality of that business changes, I think a lot of people panic and they just start pushing buttons and hoping for the best. And you took a much more strategic approach to it where you got real, real honest with yourselves and you went all the way lean. I love the phrase wartime CEO, um, all the way lean, including not paying yourself and said, all right, how far back can we strip this business and see how it performs and what it does and get a real sense of what that core base businesses are. What is the cornerstone of this, of these operations, of this cash flow generation? And then, all right, let's build on top of that, knowing what we know now. And 
that seems to have worked out very well for you as you you avoided bankruptcy and you're profitable, correct? That's right. So, you know, we're we're really gearing up for a strong Q4. I feel like that's that's something we learn year after year is like Q4 is really made in Q3. And so I feel so excited for the next six months of this year. So now we're, we survive bankruptcy. We're scaling the company back up. Tell me about what that looks like. Yeah. So it's, I, I am working with a lot of people to uh, really generate a content machine. And so I think what, what it really looks like for us right now is, is building a content machine where we're getting awesome, awesome stuff. Like not just, not just cool shots or, or like UGC, but like compelling content and visuals and material to use to display our brand on all these channels, hopefully organically. Something I've done a lot of in the past is, is sort of make content, which I still love doing but it does relieve some of the pressure where I can actually give this to people that are focused on photography, videography, all this good stuff full-time. Frees me up to kind of make those more CEO level, like things I have to do looking towards that Q4 looming on the horizon. Uh, the content machine is key. For, like That's like the first component, I think, of, of scaling up, getting that to flow in. Then we have our ad set up with, a, you know, we, we have a consultant kind of teaching us how to do things in-house, but pretty freaking easy to do at house. Like they've made things way easier than they used to be. So I think everybody should really consider running ads in house. If they uh, have anybody that actually has the bandwidth to do it, it's like, it's been fun actually. I've enjoyed it. With, with this new experience, you know, a, running it in house when you could do it successfully, there's a huge, that overhead, that administration cost goes away. You're closer to it. You can move faster with it. And you have a much better understanding of like, this is the content that clicks. What's, uh, you do a lot of content generation, um, running your own ads. What, what works right now? What are like, you know, broad strokes, channels, formats, themes, like what, what's, what's clicking with people these days? Something that I'm really excited to start really diving into is TikTok shops. The I guess the TikTok shop. And it's, um, Brand new to me, actually. So, like, we got it set up this week. I've only hopped on this because I've heard the greatest things about it so far. Like, some brands are seeing crazy success and, you know, calling it Facebook in the early days. What is it? Well, it's a, it's a TikTok shoppable experience. So, you can go on there and actually just check out in-app. You don't have to leave the app. Oh, they're sure they've, they're thrilled with this if it's successful. That's the key is, is not leaving the app. Like, if somebody's on TikTok, let them just buy on TikTok. Nobody wants to leave TikTok. TikTok is great, you know, so I'm excited to see how it develops because I know it's probably going to also become placed on these other apps such as x.com. x.com. <laughs> It'll be much like this year's Willis Tower will always be the Sears Tower in my head. I think x.com would always be Twitter. It'll be fun to see what happens there because I, I, I hope it becomes a actual destination for small business owners to market their product. Any more placements, more surfaces, more impressions. I will always take what I could get and experiment with it. It sounds like, you know, TikTok shops, though. Uh, exciting stuff. I'm curious to hear how that goes. Hey, are you in the health and wellness space? Then we want to pop you up. Pump up your revenue by 10 to 15% overnight with Zipify One Click Upsell. 
Zipify OCU uses AI to upsell and cross-sell, increasing your average order value automatically, so you make more money from every customer without breaking a sweat. Whether it's fitness gear, supplements, or self-care, one-click upsell lets you offer highly targeted upsells, product upgrades, and even subscription plans based on specific items in the cart. Or create one universal upsell funnel that instantly applies to thousands of SKUs at once. With a sky-high 16% average conversion rate and built-in split testing, it's no wonder one-click upsell has generated 500 million extra dollars for Shopify merchants. Install the app in minutes, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue today, as in right now. Start your 30-day free trial at zipify.com slash Kurt. That's zipify.com slash K-U-R-T. And for a secret gift, email help at zipify.com and request the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. As you're scaling Braxley back up in this new and improved version of it, it sounds like your role has changed. So, like, look, compare and contrast. What's, what's Braxton's day-to-day look like now versus two years ago, three years ago? I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it doesn't look all that different when, on, on a high level. Like, it really doesn't. I think it's more just being more efficient with my time and with being a better communicator with the, the teams that I, and you know, kind of, like I said, like these sort of uh, semi-in-house people that I feel like I'm, I'm, that are very accessible, that we can be very collaborative. I think that's the word, like being, I'm more collaborative with everybody and I enjoy it because I, I, I like Braxley, like when I first started it, like this was just an expression of, of my own, like as if I'm, I'm a fashion designer and I was turning Apple watch bands, which at the time, the first ones were made out of socks. I was just getting cool patterned socks and making like the dopest Apple watch bands. <laughs> with those around campus. And that's always kind of been the, the thing I've always wanted to do is like, that's the dream is like, just make awesome stuff and have fun with it. So you've got this, there's obviously like a, a product design philosophy that lives in your head. And at the start of the show, it sounded like, you know, form follows function. Like this thing, it's gotta work. But once it's achieved that, then you, you could layer on aesthetic appeal. And that's a requirement too. How do you think, you know, after three years of product development, how do you think that your product design philosophy has evolved? By actually, so for instance, I'm holding this hat here, which is a prototype, the, the latest prototype, but we're going to have a few more tweaks to it once it's actually to market. I think my product philosophy, especially lately, has been around finding things that add perceived value to the product, but don't actually add cost to you because it's optimizing on both ends. So like, we had a really hard time with the launch of the belt bags because honestly they have a really high cost. And so we, we were able to get the MSRP like where we want it to be and and we're still gonna be able to generate profit on those if they don't have as good of a margin as the watch bands do. And so thinking about it as an operator, like, okay, we wanna be able to sell this thing profitably. Like we wanna make it have a really high perceived value, but we're not using all these expensive pieces that aren't necessary. We're only spending money where it counts. And, you know, on the flip side of that is the artist, which is like, all right, I want to make this thing look like my favorite hat ever and and something that is just like very unique. So there's a, yeah, you know, finding that point in the middle. Knowing what you know now, if you went back three years ago, what advice would you give yourself? I would tell myself not to sign up for Yapo. <laughs> I don't know why Ouch. that popped in my head. I'm just kidding. I've actually never 
I've never used Yotpo, but I know it's kind of sometimes a punchline. It is. It yeah. DTC Twitter likes to punch down on Yot or punch up on Yotpo, I suppose. I'm sure they're great people. We actually are using. We switched to Sendlane. So heck, that's actually one of the things I probably would tell myself was to not spend so much on excessive email and SMS spending. We we gave ourselves like a crazy high budget for that, and you know, I guess you know, really three years ago, Sendlane wasn't what it is now, but we've been really happy switching from Clavio Postscript to Sendlane. And there wasn't anything necessarily wrong. We we, we were happy with Clavio and Postscript, but uh, I really liked the team at Sendlane being more connected. Like it's the same thing. I actually, I have a Slack channel with the Sendlane team and, and I just actually switched because I enjoy uh, being more hands-on and, and collaborative with the entire think, system. Yet I don't have to have the over whelming burden of like having to manage it all myself, which I was pretty much doing three years ago. I don't think you're alone in some of these transitions, at least, you know, not what I've seen on, on DTC Twitter. Lots of folks making similar moves this year. What does the future hold for Braxley? What's coming down the pipe? We're going to have a fall collection, which is going to consist of some awesome new hats, which I've been, we had the idea for hats like five years ago. Uh, and then really started making real forward progress on a production this year, and so I'm really excited because I've been I've I've been taking my time with making it awesome. And there's a couple awesome DTC hat brands that are doing really well, and I think the space is fun. And so we have that. We have a collection of watch bands coming out, and I think it's also you know uh, to be determined. Like we're trying to be able to be in a place where we can really move fast on things as well, and so. The Braxley that exists in Q4 is probably not going to be, well, it, it definitely won't be what Braxley is today because we're making, you know, radical steps forward with like still like every aspect, just optimizing the brand anywhere we possibly can and getting on more channels for more distribution. You know, we just launched on Amazon and crushed it on uh, Prime Day. So I feel excited for Amazon and we're just like, yeah, I think, uh, working hard and, and looking to find ways to optimize and to, to genuinely enjoy the, the work. And finally, you gave yourself advice. You know you've got a vision for where you're going. You know where you've been. What's your advice for listeners? My advice for listeners is to really find ways to enjoy what you do, I think, and make sure you have that balance in your life where you can work on a passion project or spend a day outside you know, like I, I, I really tried to balance my computer time with my outside time. And I think it just does wonders because once you're, once you're operating and, and once you're kind of dreaming from a place of, of, you know, just feeling really healthy, then you can just do so much more. And so it all starts there. I think like with like optimizing health as a foundation and, and then you're going to make great things. Braxton Manley, where can I get one of these sweet watch straps? <laughs> That would be at braxley.co. Sweet new domain name just dropped. I will. I'll include a link in the show notes. And what about the other projects you're working on? Give me some, yeah. plug it there so we can get some backlinks. Yeah. So I am launching my second brand that I, I've been working on uh, beyond Braxley and Peace Love Hormones. And that is Chisel Gum, which is, the, the brand is actually going to be Modern Primal Provisions. And Chisel Gum is our first product. So we're bootstrapping it. And this has been a passion project for me, my brother, and my best friend, Joe, who is Modern Primal on Instagram. And so we're kind of trying a fun creator-led brand approach where my brother and I, who are the 
you know, kind of operators of Braxley and we're learning so much with Braxley and using it almost as our guinea pig that allows us to play that second time founder role. Uh, and also we, we know exactly all the moves to make to, to essentially build this up. There's tons of economies of scale to, I think, launching this alongside Braxley and then yeah, Peace Love Hormones, like growing that brand as, as well. It's like peacelovehormones.com and highly recommend checking out what Maddie and Miles is doing over there because it's uh, it's going to, I think, really impact a lot of people. So yeah, I think that's all I got. Check me out on on Twitter uh, at Braxton Manley. I'm trying to tweet more, or I should say X more. <laughs> it's never going to happen. It's tweeting. It's it's Xing. <laughs> oh, I re-Xed it? <laughs> Come on, Elon. Let's be serious yeah. here. And on that note, I, I hope you enjoyed our, our deep dive into Braxley Bands with Braxton Manley, who seems unstoppable in his determination. Really, this man embodies the, the spirit of entrepreneurship, I think. And we also see the journey to success, not a straight line. And so these, these real life experiences and these challenges, they're not necessarily fun at the time, but you could view it as like, this is enriching, this is great. And so Braxton, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us and giving us a, a glimpse into like the, the reality of things, you know, not sugarcoating everything, which I think is often a problem on social media, us just only sharing the highlight reels of our lives. Uh, and to our listeners, we're here to support you as well. Please uh, join our Facebook group, Unofficial Shopify Podcast Insiders. Happy to hear from you. And I, I share some other tips in there as well. And again, this is Kurt Elster. Check nasty. Signing off and keep selling. The Unofficial Shopify Podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. Do you want to offer at-home pickup or boxless drop-offs? Need to lower return costs or increase repeat purchases? How about all of the above? That's what's possible with Loop. Loop delivers customized returns management solutions for Shopify merchants of all sizes, like Studs, Princess Polly, Code Epoxy, to turn returns into returning customers. Find out why thousands of Shopify merchants choose Loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com. That's loopreturns.com.